Hi, y'all. Welcome back to Peachy Keen. I'm Vivian Liddell, and this is my podcast. I mentioned in our last episode with Rachel Reese that it was coming up on back-to-school time for the big kids, and now it's on. So I'm in the middle of my first week back teaching, and that's why this introduction is going to be all business, TCB, as they say. Our guest artist for this episode is from right here in Athens, Georgia, photographer Brittany Lawback. Brittany and I have met a couple of times at art events around town, and I've been hoping to get a chance to have her on the podcast ever since I saw the works from her Call Me series back in 2017 at the Domestic Structures Exhibition at the Athens Institute for Contemporary Art. If you're a longtime listener of the podcast, you may remember the curator for that exhibition, Candace Greathouse, from way back in our fifth episode, discussing her work with lensless photography and her curatorial process for that domestic structure show. From now until August 30th, you can find Brittany Lawback's solo exhibition, Liberty, up at the Margie E. West Gallery. That's one of three galleries currently showing contemporary artists at the Lamar Dodd School of Art at the University of Georgia. Before classes started back there last week, I snuck into the still-deserted Dodd, as we call it around here, to check out the show and then walked upstairs to meet with Brittany and talk about her life and work and this body of work in particular. Check it out. Where are we right now? We're in the photography lab? We're in the photography area at uh, Lamar Dodd School of Art in a sound booth, which was once, this was once a color darkroom. So it used to have a color, oh, a color enlarger sense. in here. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, color enlarger. So they don't. Do they have a color darkroom anymore? No. Mm. It's been gone. They when I first got here in two thousand eleven, they still had it, and then I think they got rid of it in two thousand thirteen. So were you guys making C prints or Cbograms? Mm-hmm. All yep. of those things. Yep, we had a color processor. But to be honest, not many people were using it. Okay. Like, people would be like, oh, it's too much of a pain. Digital is so much easier. So you teach here. I do. Yeah, mm-hmm. but while we're, people are wondering why we're sitting in the sound booth at UGA. Right. Um, yes, and I teach here. Yeah, I'm, that's too bad about the color processing because, to me, that's what taught me about color. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm a much better painter because of color enlargers. It's very true because you're dealing with cyan, magenta, and yellow, and you have to adjust all of those to get your colors proper. Yeah, so you have, the key is you have to be able to look at your print right. and immediately tell what's wrong with it, or mm-hmm. you're going to spend an ungodly amount of time yes. moving dials around on right. the enlarger. Right. Um, so I got really good at being like, oh, this is too blue. Mm-hmm. Right? And most people can't look at a picture and say what color shift mm-hmm. is happening, mm-hmm. but photographers can. Yes, um, it's very true. I'm very, I worked in a design firm. <laughs> And they would always be like, Brittany, find the Pantones for this, because I could just, I could match it up perfectly. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm good cr- with color. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. So I hate that. So I guess you guys do all of your printing digitally now. Yes. You have some nice digital printers. We do. You still have to fuck with the color. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's still a big pain in the butt. <laughs> all the time. I was looking at some of my old scans the other day from Color Film. And, you know, I thought I was so good at color correcting my scans, and I'm looking back, and I'm saying, oh, my God, I need to revisit. <laughs> yeah. But, of course, like, it always changes. You look look, look at it one day, and you're like, oh, it's great. And the next day, you're like, what? 
didn't see how that was so green. <laughs> yeah, totally. Right? <laughs> you know, you print the whole thing and it's all blue, and you think it's fabulous. Oh. And you have, I, yeah, I, I don't miss those days of having to redo. And well, it's the same thing with painting. I actually leave my studio and come back, and the light's slightly different the next day. And I was like, "What? This is not what oh, I thought it looked right. like." Right? Yeah. And then it's totally permanent color. You right. can't really fix it. You're done. You're like, "Well, <laughs> going with it now." Yeah. So you graduated from here with your MFA. I did. What year was that? 2014. Okay, so when you came back, when you're saying they still had the color enlargers, that's when you were here as a student. Yes. And did you go straight from teaching it uh, from your graduate program? Were you no, teaching? no. Um, I went. I worked at a design firm here in town, Young Athenians, for okay. two years, and then that's after, with Kim, right? Yep, with yep. Kim Kirby. Yep. Mm-hmm. And after that, um, that's when I started teaching here. Okay. Mm-hmm. And where did you get your undergrad? University of New Mexico. Are you from New Mexico? No, I'm from Ohio, actually. So how did you end up in New Mexico? Um, well, I only got into two schools. I had terrible grades okay. <laughs> in high school. I mean, really bad. <laughs> and uh, my two options were the Art Institute of Chicago and this little college called Santa Fe. And I just figured I've been to Chicago before, but I've never been to New Mexico, so I went there. Okay, I've actually been to Santa Fe, mm-hmm. but a long time ago. I actually went for one of those photo workshops. Oh, at the Santa Fe Photo Workshop. That's correct. Uh-huh. Um, back before I was painting and uh-huh. I was still doing photography, uh-huh. um, I used to work at the vet school as a photographer Okay. back in the day. And during that tenure, I went to Santa Fe. It was awesome. It's amazing. I really love Santa Fe. I wanted to move there right after. There's like real cowboys there. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. I mean, it's not. It's it's not like you're really in America anymore. It's really pretty interesting. Yeah, and the the river is just all so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess that's why they have the photo workshops out, out mm-hmm. there because the landscape is just incredible. And the light. And the lighting. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I remember just shooting tons of slides. I actually have a whole book of slides that I shot in that mm. one photo workshop. That's amazing. Yeah. I did some weird shit while I was there, too, with, like, crabs in a bathtub. I don't know why. <laughs> oh, my God. Oddly <laughs> enough, you know, one thing I remember photographing in New Mexico was a girl in a bathtub with broccoli. Oh. And why did we do that when there was I, all of that beautiful light I outside? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's what they were like. Here you go. You have the most beautiful landscape in the country. And I was like, great. I'm going to go into the bathroom with some <laughs> crabs. Because I need to. Because crabs, first of all, are local. Yeah. <laughs> totally. What the heck? I don't know what I was doing with that. So you were coming from Ohio. I was coming from Ohio. Mm-hmm. And you're... Not making good grades in high school. Terrible. So what is your family situation there? Are your family, uh, they're artists? Are, they, are you a lone I wish. No. I wish. Okay. That's like a, a dream. I'm so always so jealous of people that have artists for parents. Me too. Uh, but my parents are amazing regardless and have always been supportive of my artistic career. But um, they both, yeah, they were both, but they're divorced. They were divorced. They divorced when I was five, and they lived. They lived in Ohio. No one lives there now anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they were supportive. So, like, have you always been interested in art and photography? Or I mean, photography maybe is kind of a. Um. Well, that's funny. Um. I think the first thing that I was interested in was horses. Okay. I was a major horse girl. I mm. showed hunters and jumpers. 
till I was 13. What is a hunter and a jumper? That's like when you jump <laughs> over the fences, you know? Like what is hunter? Well, okay, so hunter, I guess I showed mostly hunters and equitation if we want to be technical about it. We do. Um, uh, so hunters are like judged mostly on the horse. Okay. And equitation is judged on the rider. Mm-hmm. And then jumpers are usually timed. Okay. So it's like how fast you can go without with knocking down the did least Did you have your own horse? horse? I did. I, I had, um, over the course of my career, I had two ponies mm-hmm. and two horses. And you took pictures of these guys? Is that what happened? No. No. Not, not really, all. even. No. Um, I was just, I just loved horses so much. Um, and I never really even thought of taking that many pictures then. Nothing. It's kind of funny. So, like, you know, that was what my mom supported me doing. Mm-hmm. But at my dad's house, I'm an only child, so I would have all this time alone at my dad's house. And I would always just kind of sit around and make art. And at one point I even, my dad let me paint my bedroom. <clears throat> and I painted it in um, giant polka dots in blacklight. Okay. Uh huh. We got pizza, <laughs> pizza cutouts, and trash can lids to make our stencils for it. And how old were you when you were doing this? That was probably fifteen. So you're doing the horses concurrent with the no. black light pizza okay. boxes. No, actually, that was after horses. Horses stopped right about when I hit high school, and because I had been horseback riding the whole time, I didn't really know what. I wanted to do. Gotcha. So you had a career change uh, I had when a career you were like in middle school. Yeah, totally. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, oh, what's going on? It's, it's like, oh, there's there's a lot of things to do and then you can hang out with friends. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's time consuming and like you're, uh-huh. it's just you and your mom, right? You're very separate. Are the other uh, hunters and jumpers, are you friends with those guys? Oh, yeah, I yeah. was. But I really, to be honest, I that was not my scene. Okay. Snooty. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everyone was backstabbing. It was pretty, it was a nasty scene. And it was all mm-hmm. about having, you know, a lot of money. Well, I was going to say, I mean, you got to have money to afford all of you that. You do. And so you're already in a certain class. Yeah. 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 And I had a best friend then, Trina Turner was her name <laughs> and uh she was she was really cool but her mom was really mean mm. and that was always and I just you know the whole scene left me anyways so yeah I had to figure out what I wanted to do next and I tried acting for a while okay and then even in high school I kind of realized whoa <laughs> these aren't my people either <laughs> so was it like you know um, Elizabeth Murray always said that she, or I've read that she said she got into art because those were her people, like wearing the black uh, Doc Martin boots and yeah. the dyed hair and the nose rings, and like oh, yeah. that was just as much a part of it as the actual art. It was, it was absolutely true. It was like I, um, I really didn't like my high school. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I had terrible grades. I hated it. I didn't have any teacher that I connected with. Even my art teacher, for whatever reason, she just hated me. (laughs) And uh, so I, you know, my two best friends, you know, we all kind of figured out, hey, we can go to this arts high school because Columbus had an arts high school that was, you know, Columbus Public Schools. And we were in a suburban, like upper middle class suburban high school. 
I said, let's try to do that. Mm-hmm. And I and you had to apply for the areas. And so I applied for theater and photography, and I got into photography. And is this where you made the bad grades? Or no. Before? Then all of a sudden, okay. I was a happy person. Okay. Yeah, I had an amazing photography teacher, and I got to go to the school and do that my senior year every morning. So it was half a day every day. I went and we wow. had a dark room, and Mr. Cox was my teacher. And so he, did you take math, English, and photography? Is, is that good? It was like, yeah, actually, it was math, which was hilarious. And um, I think it was like an American studies class that I had to take. Mm. And then photography. That was my last year. It sounds like a dream. It was. I wish my high school and we had it, like that. And we had an extra long lunch because we had to go between schools, right. you know. Mm-hmm. And photography at this at this school, it was called Fort Hayes. We had a hundred, like an all time campus pass. We were allowed to be. We were allowed to oh, wander wow. around a hundred percent of the time. So half the time we'd leave and go get bagels in the morning mm-hmm. on the OSU campus. You gotta find your inspiration. You gotta you find it, and usually you gotta take pictures of something. Usually it was with a bagel or a blueberry muffin. Right. <laughs> so this is how you found out about the art institute. I mean, yeah, the people there were clued in that that was a good place to go. Yeah, and yeah. Um, they sent you to. New Mexico? Or did they get, did they, um... Uh, no. I got, my mom got a college counselor because she was like, we need help. Okay. This girl's never going to get into college. Um, and the counselor, for some reason, this woman, I forget her name, but she just loved New Mexico. Yeah. She's like, I always want to send people out there, and you seem like the person. It's so weird how that happens. Like, just one random person likes New Mexico, and then your whole life is on this trajectory. And she was so right. (laughs) And she was 100% right, Mm -hmm. you know? I loved it. You didn't even consider Art Institute? I considered it, for sure. I mean, that was definitely... um, the more attractive art school, right. you know, but, you know, my priorities were just not necessarily, like, I didn't really want to be in Chicago at that time. I mm-hmm. wanted to, I wanted a completely different landscape. So, when did you graduate from there? From, uh, oh, well, yeah, I transferred, I went to University of New Mexico, I graduated from there, that was 2003. So you got a little bit of a gap between then and when you went to grad school? big gap. Five years. It's not that big. Could be bigger. I guess that's right. It's not terrible. So what did you do during that five years? I was a wrangler on a ranch. Okay. More horses. I went back to horses. Were you back in Ohio? No, I was in New Mexico. Oh, well, that makes sense. And it was... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it was on the Santa Ana Reservation... And okay. it was absolutely gorgeous. I mean, it was right in this. It was right in the Rio Grande Valley. So, at what point did you pick the horses back up? Were you doing that when you were in school there? No, I wasn't. I just, you know, when I was in school, I was working at this movie theater that was really cool, um, but that didn't make enough money, and I just was like, "What would I want to do?" You know, I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. I didn't really. I kind of got burnt out with photography a little bit because it was intense. Um, and I was just like, I miss horses. So I called every horse place in the city. What are the qualifications for being a wrangler? <clears throat> well, um, I went there and they're like, okay, go on a ride. So they took me on a ride to see if I was competent on a horse. And I probably hadn't ridden in five years or something like that. 
But it's like riding a bike, you know. It's like riding a horse. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like riding a horse. It was, I remembered everything. So what does a Wrangler do? Um, we would give trail rides twice a day to tourists. Okay. At, from the Hyatt Resort. And did you start taking pictures while you were doing this again, or did I you took yeah take I did take some I did take some pictures, um, but not as much as I wish I had. Were you taking portraits during this time? Like, what was your thing in undergrad? God, you know that was the thing. I didn't really know what I was doing in undergrad. Um, I was all over the place. I was real into. Um, I would do a, some self portraiture. I did a lot of sculpture at the time, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I did a lot of staged photography, too. Mm. Like the bathtub. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like the bathtub. Did you do environments? Like, would you stage an entire... No, I'd mostly, like, dress people up in costumes and okay. roll around with them while I was real obsessed with fruits and vegetables. <laughs> that was my fruits and vegetables. The broccoli. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> period. The broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Did you do that for a full five years, the wrangling, before you came No, to I also um, became a pricing analyst at Cardinal Health. Oh, that sounds fun. <laughs> it was a blast. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I hated it and I wanted to die, but it paid, it's maybe still the best paying job I've ever had. And was that still in New Mexico? It was in New Mexico. And that mm-hmm. was what drove you to want to go back to school? Cause you were like, I hate this job so much. Well, um, my partner that I was with, we, he ended up getting into grad school in Binghamton, New York. Ah. So there was a time that I shifted to Binghamton for a little while. And then, and it was in Binghamton that I decided. That's upstate? Where is Binghamton? Yeah. It's, like it's an hour south of Syracuse, three okay. hours north of the city. So you didn't go into the city that much. You are kind of out there. Well, I tried to as much as possible. But, yeah, it's like every time you go, went to the city, it was just like your money just flies out of your pockets. <laughs> right. If you're living in Binghamton, Binghamton right. salary, students. Right? Uh-huh. So he was studenting. What were you doing? He was studenting. I, um, the only job I could get there, it took me six months to get this job, was I was an insurance agent for AIG. Okay. I was selling car insurance over the phone. Oh, my gosh. So, oh, was, <laughs> that was the low point of my <laughs> career. <laughs> um, and I was a terrible salesperson because I could give two shits about, you know, if people bought AIG's car insurance or Do not. Do you know about Dial America here in town? I've seen it. And I, and I imagine what that is. It's supported generations of UGA college college students. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, my ex partner used to really work there, and it was. And I knew so many people when I was an undergrad at UGA that did these cold call selling things. My ex partner uh-huh. was really good at it, and he was disgusted with himself that he was so good at it. You know, <laughs> it's just like one thing you don't really want to be good right. at is like cold calling and right. selling to people. Well. But it's there a you skill. Go. It is a skill, it's and it paid skill. really good money for college really? students. Mm-hmm. Is it still over there, like by the river, is where it used to be? I um, don't know. I thought for one point it might have been next to the old Vision Video. Mm. The Vision Video like on that, Broad? No, on um, the one out Prince. Uh, Prince. Yep. Oh, the shopping center. It used to be like right at the end of the road that dead ends it into Broad, where the. Um, where the river is, and there was 
there was a there was a bar there a long time ago. Oh, when really? Get really crazy back into the day. But was it a good one? No, it was like a. It was pretty because it was like overlooked the broad river, but it mm-hmm. was like a fraternity oh, kind of hangout. That's a bummer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I have a vague memory of that, like very vague. I don't. That's way back there. Mm-hmm. So anyway, insurance. Insurance. Is that the job that drove you to go to grad school? I'm trying to. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. So I had a little chunk of change, and because um, I sold my car before I moved. And I was going to buy another car, and I was like, what do I need a car for? It's a small town. Like, I'm going to go take a class. They had a community college there, and it's like, I'm just going to take a class so I can use a dark room. They had a dark room. And I took that class at Broome Community College, and they were like, whoa, you really know what you're doing. How about you teach a class here? <laughs> I was like, okay. And so I quit. I quit AIG. And I started waiting tables and teaching at the community college. And then the guy I was teaching with, he's like, just go to grad school and teach. Like, you're good at it. Just do that. And I was like, okay. So. And did you start applying for grad schools at that point? And what happened mm-hmm. to your partner that was at uh, Binghamton? He... he ended up moving here with me. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that happened. That happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A cross-country move together. So, yeah, twice twice mm-hmm. over. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then you're in Athens. Yep. That's 2011. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and Excuse me. we're still doing color printing here. So um, did you say you did not go straight from, te- from grad school to teaching, right? Mm-mm. What did you do in the in-between time there? Design firm. Oh, right. Design mm-hmm. firm. Mm-hmm. All right. So Oh, and the whole time I've been assisting for Mark Steinmetz, too, a photographer in town. Right. Mm-hmm. Are you still assisting with it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's been four years now. And what classes do you teach here? This semester I'm teaching graphic design. Okay. Mm-hmm. So well. this graphic design job really helped me out because now it just segued me into different classes that I can teach here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to imagine what the photography scene must be like here now. Does anybody use large format cam- cameras anymore? Oh, yeah. They people, do? Yeah. The digital? People, well, no, they'll use... Four by five and medium format cameras. But just print them, like s- scan them. Scan them. Mm-hmm. Scan them and print them. What kind of camera do you use for, like, say, for the show that's downstairs? Do you use the same camera all the time? That well, right now I have. I for the longest time while I was in school, I used I shot only film. Mm-hmm. But when I got out of school, that became quite expensive. Yeah. And was a habit I could not afford. So. Um, I sold, I bought, I went through a couple cameras. I was borrowing a, a Roloflex from my friend. I love that camera, twin lens. Mm-hmm. And then I bought myself a Hasselblad. Um, but that was a little cumbersome, mm-hmm. loud. It was really loud. And I was warned against that, but I didn't listen. Well, what is the problem with it being loud? It's just disruptive. Are you going to, like, are you trying to sneak up on people with it? I mean, sometimes, yeah. 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 (laughs) Um, (laughs) Not all the time, but sometimes I do try to sneak up on people, and it was a little loud. I mean, but of course you're coming at them with a medium format camera anyway. But, you know, it's a waist level finder, so that was nice. You can kind of just keep eye contact, and they don't know what's going on. Right. Um, And then I, I sold that, and I got a Sony digital camera. 
Mm-hmm. So now I've been shooting digital. Okay. And I so love the it. ones downstairs are digital. It's all digital. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of uh, photographers are you into? Mm-hmm. Like, do you have? I, I when I saw the show downstairs, I thought of Richard Misrak. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. I don't know if you like his work. I do like his work. I like I like a lot of his work. Um, but I wouldn't associate him as much with people. Like, I'm thinking maybe of his more later stuff. Of so, like, I saw a show of his at the High Museum in, okay. like, 2008. Okay. I think it was a long time ago. And it had beach photos that he had taken. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I was thinking of. It also okay. had, like, this series about some... Uh, it was in Louisiana, and it was, like, had to do with environmentalism. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. It was, like, pollu- some kind of pollution mm-hmm. in Louisiana. And it, it was that, but it was also these beat photos that he had taken, the really huge prints. Like, they were, like, six feet or larger. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And they mm-hmm. were taken in Hawaii up from the top of a hotel, Mm-hmm. So that it was like their beach photos, but right. there was a lot of water and then like people sporadically mm-hmm. around. And he said that they were inspired. So he took, he was thinking about 9 11. Oh, wow. In New York when he took mm-hmm. them. Because they're weirdly kind of, I think he said that he was going for the sublime, but they're like, there's something very disturbing about them, mm-hmm. even though they're beach photos. Right. Which I think is what I was thinking when I was looking at these of ah. yours because there's something about this series down here that is uh, uh, people on vacation but they don't look like they're having a great time and there's a, a certain kind of distance in the photos and those misrap okay. photos like there was space around the people he said he was mm-hmm. thinking about when people jumped out of the World Trade Center right. and right. like it was these little bodies against this big and it became you know, it was just, it was so traumatic and so personal, but yet so distant at the mm-hmm. same time. Like, mm-hmm. it was like you were seeing the big picture right. and the small picture at the right. same time. Right, Which is what I was thinking about that. So, I, yeah, it, anyway. I definitely, there's definitely some dark undertones to the show, I would say. Um, yeah, I want to get all into that. But I did, I interrupted you. Were you going to give me a photographer before I insisted on? uh, Well, it's, it's surprising. I mean, I don't have, you know, a photographer that is directly influenced. I mean, I kind of see some Martin Parr Mm -hmm. in there. You know, he did a lot of stuff at the beach in um, England. And, um, but really like portrait photographers, Deanna Lawson's been my favorite recently cool Mm -hmm. I saw your south series of course I'm going to think about Eggleston um, Mm. when I look Mm -hmm. at those I'm a Memphis Mm -hmm. person Mm -hmm. um, since he's from Memphis and you know I was looking at your website so first Uh of all your your profile photo is awesome oh you like that (laughs) yes I could have stared at that for a long time so it's like this uh, what is it it's a a gif yeah Uh it's a gif and it's just you, and it's it looks like you're on a, a one of those things that's at a kid's playground. <laughs> what are those things called? What, merry-go-round? Or, um, not a merry-go-round, but, like, you know, the ones that you get on and, like, run, and then you can you go oh, in circles. Oh, uh-huh. Um, that's what it looked what like it. to me. Like, you were just sitting on one of those and just slowly moving around. Around, around. I was trying to, well, and I was giving them, I, like, I'm giving that, like, my 
strong eyes. Yes, it was. Just, I'm trying to make everyone that sees that fall in love with me. It worked. It worked. I was like, oh my gosh, look how pretty she is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. So um, you're good Thank at you. profile photos. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm really good at, at uh, making people look good. Good to know. Good yeah, to I've know. been doing a lot of author portraits. Oh yeah, I need those. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so I looked at I, I, I made managed to get past your profile pic. It okay. was hard, <laughs> but eventually I switched over to your regular page and was looking through your uh-huh. series. So the South series is that ongoing? The, yes. And, and yes, you're it's a collection of when I'm driving around, anywhere I'm at. You know, it's kind of my random gathering of images of the South. It's it's all landscape. Is it for the most mostly? part? There's a couple portraits in there, <clears throat> and then your "Call Me" series is the series that—that's when I became familiar with your work. Okay, because I saw those works that were at the domestic structures show. Yes, at Athica that uh-huh. was in 2017, mm-hmm. and that was curated by Candace Greathouse, and yes. she's been on the podcast before. Oh, I love her. I think she was on the podcast like right around the time of that show. Oh, really? She's and the best. Yeah. She's awesome. Uh-huh. And that sh- the that show mm-hmm. was a great show. It was an amazing show. It was I mean I still think about it and mm-hmm. the fa- it was called Domestic Structures Structures. I actually taught from that show in really? my uh, feminist theory class because oh. you know it's 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 domestic. I think it was all women, yes. wasn't it? It was all women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, Elizabeth Lyde was in that show. Yep. Whom we had drinks with at the normal town bar mm-hmm. not too long ago, which mm-hmm. made me want to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. So in a second, I'm going to want you to walk me. I want to remember what we were talking about that night. There was some okay. drinks involved. There was. And so I can't remember exactly, but... Um, oh, I think I remember. And it has to do with the cruise ship. Okay, good. So we'll get we'll get to that. Okay. So, but Elizabeth Lyon, <laughs> yeah, and her husband was like recording us talking. I'm, I yes. still I want to know what happened to that. I recording. know, I know. We need that for this. Maybe I should call. I'll call, I can contact her. I'll see. I'll check on that. That would be really fun. And see if I can get that recording that he clandestinely made. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> while we were talking. Okay, so the domestic structure. So that that was like 2017, and you had the Call Me series in it. Yes. You had a. One that was just of a telephone. Yes. And how many pieces were in that show? There was only two pieces in that show. And what was the other one? Um, it, was a, it was a. It was it was old. It was two telephones, I believe, and one had. It was a radio slash telephone. It was a very strange. Oh. Is this the one with the warrant tape in it? Oh, that might have been in it too. Was it? I don't know. Why is there a war- What was that thing with the warrant tape? And this is Warrant, the band yes. from the 80s. Okay, so what she's <laughs> describing is there's a photo of an old um, cassette player, and there's a warrant tape in it with a single cherry pie. It actually, it references back to my uh, some of my other work from, um, what do I call that body of work? Outside. Okay. Um, where I have this cherry, this like gas station cherry pie kind of split open in the corner. Because they're that, she's my cherry yeah. pie. That's yeah. Warrant, right? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, you know, I'm up on my 80s stuff. Uh-huh. I know all my hair metal from uh-huh. the 80s. Well, <laughs> I was just thinking I the other day. Was, I thought that was an answering machine that that was in. It looks like, because it's one of those tape recorders that has the... It looks like it. Mm-hmm. It has the buttons on the front. It's like right. a really wide-looking yes. tape recorder. Yes. And I was like, so I, I, my first thought was, this is somebody's put warrant in their outgoing message on their old... Um, uh, oh, I love that interpretation. <laughs> <laughs> but you He's said, trying to call in the cherry pie. But you said it was related <laughs> to your other series. Yeah, it was kind of, um, you know... Vaginal. (laughs) Gotcha. With all the pink. Uh Uh-huh. The pink. So that was a a callback to that. Mm Mm-hmm. And there was some, there's a lot of self-help books in your Call Me series. Mm -hmm. What is is that about? So what was going on when I made Call Me? Um, I was recently broken up with my longtime partner of 11 years and dating again and feeling like I had no idea what was going on with dating anymore. Mm. Like I couldn't really. So did you start dating him pre-Tinder and all that? Yeah, I was 28 when I started dating him, I think. So I got permanently attached before any of that internet stuff came out uh-huh. and I'm so happy that I never had to deal with it. This just looks like a nightmare. <laughs> Some half the, most of the time it's a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Some of the time it's kind of cool because you can meet people that you wouldn't normally meet. Right. Mhm. Mhm. And so the series with the self-help books. So, you know, I was just going through this thing where I just I was fantasizing really about the old days when I would talk to dudes on the phone all night long, like especially in um Middle school. Right. You know, you just talk you all You talk to dudes in middle school? Oh, You must yeah. have been so cool. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I did not talk to any boys in middle school. <laughs> you were brave and cool. <laughs> I see I just, who you were now. I just was boy crazy, I think. Hmm. Um, maybe always have been. So what kind of phone did you have that you talked to these boys on? Because I had a princess phone. Oh, <laughs> those are beautiful. Yeah. Those are so lovely. The golden oh. white. I had one of those. God, I need one of those to photograph. If you ever find one, let yeah, me know. I had the whole matching bedroom suit that was gold and white. It was like the, um, what is that? It's like French, some kind of French style. It's like white paint and gold paint. I had a four-poster. Like Yes, I know what you're talking that about. That was all my mom. I hated it. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always think it's a shame when parents dictate your bedroom style. Well, I slowly dismantled that over the years. There was mm-hmm. a lot of pink involved, and I hated the color pink for the majority mm-hmm. of my life until, like, five years ago. Yeah, that's I'm kind of the same way. Back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you had, what kind of phone did you have? You did not have a princess phone. No, it was not a cool phone at all. It was like, it was like a, my parents had this, um, like, office system installed in the house. We had our own line. That was really nice when we got our own line. Wow. Yep. And it had an intercom system all throughout the house. It was very, it was like, I remember it was. <laughs> so you could be talking on the phone with a boy and your dad could come in and be like, Brittany? Well, luckily phone. I would know because another light would open up and I could hear it because oh. it was off. So it he was, couldn't be sneaky. No one could be sneaky. Because that happened in my house. My sisters would right. pick up the phone and hold the receiver down <clears> and like listen in on my conversations. No one could be sneaky, thank God. <laughs> um, yeah, and it was, it was an ugly phone though, but. You know, now that I'm thinking back, I, you know, it's kind of 
tan, yellowish, brown, I think, and so many buttons. And, you know, we had, you know, I mean, we could have, it could have been in a four-story office building, this phone. Was <laughs> like, way more than we needed. You could answer the door with the phone. Oh, my gosh. And, like, unlock the door with it. What the, what year was this? It was the 90s. It was the 90s, okay. And it was started in the 80s, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got that house in the 80s. It's pretty advanced. <laughs> yeah, that is advanced. But, you know, so I was just remembering those days and, and wishing that, that it could kind of be that way again where you could talk and get to know people and have dumb conversations, but... Mm-hmm. That's why I like the podcast. Uh huh. <laughs> exactly. But no one, no one has time for that anymore, right? No, I miss phone calls really badly, and I can always tell my friends that are of quote a certain age, in other words, my age, because yeah. we don't really like to text each other, and we still call. I know it's almost insulting if it's like. I mean, you can text for little things, but it's like. You catch up on the phone. Right. Like, if your text turns into seven text messages, that's the point where you're like, uh, just call me. It's so annoying. <laughs> yeah. It's the worst thing ever. Like, someone's like, hey, how are you doing in a text? And I'm like, no, <laughs> I can't do it. Just call me. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so you're nostalgic for that in these photos that you're making. Yeah. But I still want to know what's up with the self-help books. So the self-help books, you know, that was also me at this time period just trying to improve myself okay. <laughs> and look towards outside sources of like, okay, how is this going to happen? Like, I need help. So you read the self-help books? or Because yeah. they look like they're very um, uh, aesthetically pleasing self-help books. They are. No, yeah. I didn't. I didn't read all of them. Okay. Uh, I read some of them. Mm-hmm. I'm okay. You're okay. Really, I just love the titles. Um, and that's another thing I kind of collect is like uh, books that have great titles that, you know, Sometimes they're funny to read, but most of the time they're kind of crappy books, but I just love the titles. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know. Have you ever seen Jimmy Fallon's Do Not Read list? No. That he does. No. I have it's to look funny. at that, though. He, d- he does it on lo- uh, on his show sometimes, and he'll say, do not read, do not read. And they'll, like, <laughs> list these books, and they always are, like, have titles that are just outrageous. Yeah. You're like, how did that book ever come into yeah. existence? And they're real books. Yes. Check it out. Well, I mean, it, what got me started on that is I found this book, which someone took from me and I don't have anymore. Mm. And it was called How to Make Love to a Single Girl. <laughs> I was like, what? As opposed book to a this? married person, I guess. Yes. <laughs> it was written in the 70s, okay. you know, with the sexual revolution. <laughs> and it had pictures. It was like a it was a guide for men. Pictures of lovemaking? Yes. Wow. And like how to, you know, look good for women and how to arrange your apartment and lighting and cooking. Oh, my God. Wait, and you you lost this book? Yes. I actually, it actually had a lot of useful information and I gave it it to a buddy of mine to be like, hey, check this out. It's it's kind of helpful. Gosh, I'm like, I, I want to see that book so bad. I know. I need to find it again. I'm sure I can find it online like, somewhere. Like, what, what was the way to impress women with your dress in the 70s? Oh, I mean, Did it involve well, it told you you have to shower. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it got down to specifics, you know, like shower, deodorant, aftershave, cologne, because that was the 70s, right? you know, like all of those things. Um, you know, how to do your beard. Mm-hmm. Um, the dressing, it was like, try, you know, it was, you know, wear nice clothes. You don't have to be too formal, but a little bit formal. And, 
you know, some pretty solid advice. Okay. <laughs> I mean, shower, yes, that's good. <laughs> some people need to hear that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so this is starting to remind me of the conversation that we had at the normal. T- uh, normal bar. Ah, yes. So I remember that we talked about you photographing nudes. It's a power thing. And men realize that and they don't like it. You know, they don't want to have be exposed and vulnerable like that. They don't. But they, they don't, but they do. Oh my God, I have to show you the series of photos that I have because it's, it's me. Like, I was going to hotel rooms with guys, like off Craigslist. <laughs> And, 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 like, now it kind of happens randomly. I haven't been pursuing it, but, like, I can still... It's amazing, like, men will expose themselves to me. Like, I got... There was a man on the cruise. I'm so sad that we didn't get into that Craigslist series here on the podcast, but we did get the full story about the man on the cruise. Yes. Right. And yes. that was because I was doing my show of men, and but yes. those are paintings, so I don't have to actually have a male. You male don't man have in front to have the confrontation. I know we talked about that. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that in relation to the cruise ship. That did you take pictures of a nude man on the cruise ship? I did. Yes. Because <laughs> um, the photos that are downstairs are all taken on a cruise ship. That's yes, what and we're there's here no about. nude man. You don't see the nude man. No, in you that. don't. But I want to hear that backstory. Well. <clears throat> you know, I'm walking around the ship. It's probably one in the morning, something like that. And uh, I'm walking around taking pictures by myself, you know, having a good time. Are you on this cruise? So this, we're getting into your current show now that I wanted yes. to talk about. Yes, so segue. You, segue. So you took a cruise for five days to the Bahamas. It was Four days. Four days. Three nights, yes. And were you on this cruise by yourself? No. I went with two friends, um, Dee Dee and her sister Bobby. Okay. Because when you're saying that you're walking around the cruise in the middle of the night by yourself. Well, we were very independent. You know, okay. we, we all kind of had our own agenda. So you were not with your other the other ladies no. that were on the trip with you. Not okay, at this so time. Continue. So continue. So I'm walking around, and this guy's like, yo, 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 what's up, beautiful? You know, and hitting on me and like, hey, what are you doing? What's going on? I'm like, oh, I'm just taking pictures, wandering around. And we start talking, and his name was Chuck Raw. That's what he <laughs> called himself. He was a real hype man mm-hmm. um, from York, Pennsylvania. And uh, he was like, well, yo, sit down with me. Talk to me. What's going on? Blah, blah, blah. And so, like, he just walked by you and I this walked conversation by him. happened, yes. like, just he, in passing? In passing. Okay. Yeah. You and weren't then, sitting at a craps table or no, anything like that. This happened just in passing on the, top, on the top deck. And uh, so we kind of went to this area where we could sit down and talk. And he was like, yo, I'm looking to get carnival crazy. <laughs> And I was like, really? Well, what does that mean to you? And he's like, I don't know. You know, I just want to get carnival crazy. I'm like, does it mean getting naked? (laughs) He's like, yeah, sure. Uh Uh-huh. And he's like real excited about it. And I was like, well, you know, I'm taking pictures. Did you have your camera prominently displayed on your personage at this point? Yes, around my neck. Okay. Um, And he was like, yo, I would love for that to happen. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And so they have these like sun, you know, like little cabanas. And so he sat in there. So it's somewhat protected, but not really. Right. And he's like, okay, take a picture of me. And he just pulls down his pants. Mm-hmm. And he's erect. <laughs> oh, God. And I take some pictures. <clears throat> and then he's like, you know what? He's like, you think, do you think I could do porn? And I was like, whoa, I don't, I don't know if I'm quite the, the judge on that. Like, you could do porn if you want to, but I'm not really sure. So he wasn't, he wasn't asking if you specifically wanted to make this porn with him. He was just like, do you think I'm good enough by yeah. what you're do you, seeing? Do you think by what you're seeing, I'm cut out for the porn industry? And I was oh like, God. I don't know. And he's like, will you do me a favor? Will you put your arm next to his cock? And take a picture so we could get some kind of size. Oh, my God. And I was like, okay. And I did it. Um, the pictures didn't turn out that great of that, unfortunately. And I kind of, <laughs> and I looked at it, too, and I was like, ooh, he's not going to be that happy. It doesn't look, you know, gigantic or anything. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, I love it. I'm like, okay, all right. And then he's like, so, you know, get down to make out. And I'm like, nah. No, that's it. No, I just wanted to take the pictures. And he's like, for real? I'm like, yeah, for real. And he's like, I respect that. That's cool. That's cool. And that was it. And then I saw him again. He hit on me the next night, and he was like, is this ever going to happen? And I'm like, no, it's never going to (laughs) happen. And he's like, okay, well, will you send me the pictures? And I was like, sure. Is there a weird, like, safety thing being on the cruise? Like, you know nobody's going anywhere. No bed. one's going anywhere. I mean, you know what's weird, though, is on the cruise ship at night, um, you know, you think they would have, I mean, people are getting really drunk on this cruise. Right. And the casino. Thus the posing naked for people in cabanas. Right. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know if he was that drunk. I think he was just down. Um, but the funny thing is you'd think there'd be securities wandering around, mm-hmm. something like that. Not a thing. It's lawless. Lawless. It is a little... Carnival crazy. It is. It's carnival crazy there. And uh, I, and my friend Dee Dee, she saw two people having sex mm-hmm. on the on the deck. And she got really creeped out because the guy just looked her in the eyes. And she's like, oh, my God, I feel implicated. <laughs> I feel like I'm a part of it now. Oh, my gosh. So your um, artist statement for this show mm-hmm. says that you were inspired by David Foster Wallace's uh, shipping out essay that is about him being on the... So did you convince your friends to go on the trip after reading that? Or was that just like you read it knowing you were going to go on a cruise? No. Actually, um, I read it. My friend Reagan, um, in probably 2012... Mm -hmm went on a cruise and I was in Italy at the time and she went on a European cruise so I got to meet her in Rome before she went and she had just read that essay to prepare for her cruise and I loved it okay you know I was like this is the best and then it's been mulling in my mind mulling I don't know if that's the right word you've been mulling over I've been mulling it over in my mind since then about doing some work on a cruise ship because I've never seen it. Um, 
And I really loved this. And I, like, everything that he wrote about, that's exactly pretty much what I imagined was kind of a right-on description of what it's like to be on a cruise. You know, you're kind of stuck on this boat. People are just eating and drinking like crazy. It's, you know, there's something really disgusting about the whole experience. And, um, and so I was curious. I'm like, well, I wonder if I could kind of picture that photographically. Well, he talked a lot about how clean it was. Were you, and, and uh, you know, he talked about it in a very capitalist uh, structure. Oh, yeah. So, you know, how clean it was and the idea of uh, kind of trying to stave off death by being on this vacation, uh, you know, got deep with it. Yes, Um, absolutely. So, like, people play hard uh, the same way that they diet and exercise to try to keep death away, you know, Mm -hmm. like Americans are into their vacations. But when I... when I so after I had talked with you at the normal bar, we had that conversation mm-hmm. um, after the raucous opening, I think. Yep. And after and I had in my head what your series was going to look like because we had these funny conversations about you photographing this dude. Right. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, it was I, I was like, oh, you got to get on the podcast. It's going to be hilarious. And then I got in there and look at your work, and I was like, oh no, this is like. <laughs> Really serious work, right? It's really? Not, you think it's super serious? It is super serious. Like, it, well, you know, it reminded me of the Misrack and that it's very, right. there is like an element of the sublime to it. They're on a cruise. And for the way that you talked about the cruise, like it was the kind of funny aspects, like the humorous aspects of the mm-hmm. cruise. But I didn't find your photos to be very humorous. Hmm. Like okay. they were, uh, I mean, some of them had a little bit of a dry sense of humor to them, but a lot of them were really poignant. Like the old couple from the back that's like looking off the railing. You can't see what they're doing, but it looks like maybe they're taking a selfie of themselves or something. Mm-hmm. It's really sweet. It's like a really touching moment of this couple that's on the cruise. I mean, there's some things that are kind of disgusting, you know, and also weird. So it's really, it is more detached, I guess, than I expected mm. that it was okay. going to be. Okay, that's interesting. Um it wasn't funny at all to me, um, uh-huh. but I did get this really kind of eerie. I mean, it's very silent. I was in there, so I missed the opening. I'm in there all by myself. Mm-hmm. It's this cold, quiet, yeah, air-conditioned space while it's 105 degrees outside. Yes, uh-huh. you know. Um, but I really tuned in on like the way that you were looking at the ship. So, like, the ship is in a lot of the photos. You take pictures of people Mm -hmm. um but you're also taking pictures of these kind of weird things on the ship and also like things like meals stuck outside of people's doors Uh in strange containers so things that you would really only see on a cruise ship that i imagine i've never been on a cruise Mm -hmm. but i imagine would be interesting because there's Mm -hmm. something you don't normally see like that Mm -hmm. um but i also got that vibe of like these are people so i think about a cruise it costs a lot of money Right. You spend a lot of time planning for it. Some people wait a whole year or two, like looking forward to this event. Yeah. But then in your photos, nobody is smiling. Everyone is very serious. Right. They're on this cruise, but it's like there there's this one photo with a ton of people in a pool. And I don't think there's a single person smiling in that photo. They're all holding drinks like if that photo was on Instagram, that everybody would be smiling, it would look happy, there would be some splashing. Instead, they're just all kind of separately standing from each other, looking bored, 
really? Like, we paid thousands of dollars to stand in this pool with a bunch of strangers? Mm-hmm. It's super weird. It is. It is. And I think, I mean, that's kind of the problems with vacations in general. You know, we're always trying to vacation from ourselves, and we never can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And... <clears throat> What I think is so kind of disturbing about the cruise in general is that you have this, you know, you're really stuck with all these people. Like it's, and you you really do kind of start to have like a little bit of an existential crisis. Like, you know, like hell is other people and you're stuck on this ship with them. And, you know, but, and, and I really felt that. But at the same time, I have to say, I also felt this overwhelming um, tenderness and like I also really loved all these people and everyone was genuinely open and trying to connect you know it's like kind of those stereotypes about the you know open loudmouth American there's something really lovely about that like people would talk to me at any point you know and I would I was getting up in their face mm-hmm. and they were so lovely about it and I had random conversations with I can't tell you how many people and really got to know I mean there was a woman I met that her husband just died they were supposed to go on the cruise together and they come on the cruise specifically to gamble which is what I found a lot of people that's their main Mm -hmm. source of entertainment which to me is also very sad right um but that's personal you know I'm sure people get a lot of satisfaction out of that Um, my mother yeah compulsive gambler yeah um but you know I I got this whole story about it and she really just felt that she needed to still go because this is what her life was going to be like now she's on her own and she needs to figure out how to do that and why even though he died a week ago you know she needs to start and maybe this will help her feel better And some real intense conversations like that just kept popping up everywhere and also some real fun ones. And But I found myself, you know, I was really touched by a lot of these people. And I also was, you know, I also want to jump in the water and die. <laughs> and I think you can see that in the photos. I mean, they're both <laughs> touching and beautiful in a kind of haunting way. And there's several of them that have large expanses of ocean. I mean, you're, mm-hmm. you can't deny the fact that you're, and David Foster Wallace talks about, I read some of the thing after mm-hmm. uh, I read your artist statement. He mm-hmm. talks about that. You know, the sea is scary. Yeah. It's beautiful and it's yeah. vast and it makes yeah. you start getting really deep and like getting introspective and you're just stuck with nothing to stare at but this vast blue line out yes. there. Yes. And I mean, it, and it really is worth it for that. I mean, it's pretty profound to be able to stare at the ocean like that, mm-hmm. you know, in, in different ways. Um, and, and I was really interested in a lot of people that, you know, were staring out at the ocean. So it's interesting because people go on vacation, like Americans, everything is work. Like even planning a vacation is work. And it's like, you know, it's the hard play thing, like he said. I thought it was interesting that when he's writing this essay, he's talking about, you know, people trying to get away from work and, like, prolong their life with some great, you know, shuffleboard and Mm -hmm. activities for your health. But he was working. 
while mm-hmm. he's on the cruise. And you were also working, mm-hmm. right? You mm-hmm. went on the cruise explicitly to photograph people. I did, yeah. So mm-hmm. did you think about that a lot while you were there, the mm-hmm. fact that you were not really on vacation? Um, not really, um, because it seems like when I vacation anyways, I'm, you know, because I'm a photographer, that's mostly what I do anyways, is I, is I photograph when I do it. And I actually, I gain a lot more enjoyment that way because it gives me a greater purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, because I, it helps me focus on trying to figure out what this place is all about. Mm-hmm. And it helps me, like, kind of get through some of those feelings that where when I go on a vacation and I don't do that and I just, you know, try to relax and not do anything, it's really hard. Yeah. I feel, I don't feel as renewed as when I come back with something. Mm-hmm. Great. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Never relaxing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks so much for talking to me, Brittany. Yeah. I really um, enjoyed talking with you and having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks. Such a fun chat. Thanks again to Brittany Lawback. And also thanks to Paul K. Hart, who in addition to being artist Elizabeth Lyde's husband, is also an audio artist and was so gracious as to provide us with the normal bar footage that you heard in this episode. I would have loved to have played the whole normal bar conversation for you because we did get deep into the ins and outs, so to speak, of working with male nudes, but those are stories for another bar noise free time. If you're like me and can't wait to see what Brittany is up to next, I advise you to head over to the Peachy Keen page on my website at Vivian Liddell, that's V-I-V-I-A-N-L-I-D-D-E-L-L dot com. That Craigslist series that she mentioned in our Normal Bar conversation is from her current body of work, and she's actually given me one image from the series to post on the Peachy Keen website. So you can go there to check that out and then follow her on Instagram to keep in the know. You can find links to her website, her Instagram page, and other folks and topics that we talked about in this episode on the Peachy Keen page of my website. Brittany will also have work in upcoming exhibitions at the Classic Center and the Hotel Indigo here in Athens in September, as well as some work and a show of women photographing women that will be up soon at the Lola in Atlanta. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review on iTunes or donating through our Patreon page to help support the podcast. You can find a link to the Patreon page on the Peachy Keen tab of my website, again at VivianLiddell.com. I'm headed to Nashville this week and will be meeting up with artist Virginia Griswold, to record our next episode. So look for that to be out soon. Until then, I hope you're having a great end to your summer and that your days are peachy keen.